Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ministry Matters podcast. My name is Rowan, and along with my wife, Jill, we serve as the lead pastors of a three-small-location multi-site church, C3 Camden, Picton, and Thoreau in southwestern Sydney and the Illawarra. On this podcast, Jill and I discuss all matters ministry and share some of the things we've learned and are still learning along the way in our 30-plus years of pastoral ministry experience. It's our particular hope that this podcast will be of help to small church pastors and their teams and encourage you to continue to minister effectively to the wonderful people that God has entrusted into your care. that we express on this podcast are our own and not necessarily those of the church or denomination that we're a part of. We'd love to hear from you if you have any feedback, any comments or suggestions on any topics you'd like us to discuss in future episodes. To find out more about us or our church, check out the show notes for links to all the relevant socials and websites. So without any further ado, let's get into today's conversation. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Ministry Matters podcast. Ministry does indeed matter, doesn't it, Don? That's right, it does. How Hello. are you doing? Good. Good. Well, we're going to talk about ministry slash mission slash kingdom work today, uh, you know, in terms of fulfilling God's purposes, how uh, we in part of small churches uh, can have an effective uh, programs happening, an effective heart within the church for bringing God's kingdom to earth. I think we've titled it uh, something like that, haven't we? Something like engaging a small church in the work of God's kingdom. So we're going to talk about all the different aspects of how do we do that, uh, how have we done that, what values we have. Not saying everyone has to have the same values, but just sharing uh, our heart and why we've always been uh, very engaged in that kind of kingdom-focused, outward-focused care for others' work. That's been a big part of our, our heart for a long time, hasn't it? It has for a long time. I don't. I think there was probably a period of time when we were younger pastors where we didn't really have the revelation of uh, the fact that God has called us as local churches to be um, community focused, to be missionally minded, to be not so young. I would say that the, the revelation has developed over the last decade or so. Really, that's right. I think. Uh, we we would say we started to realise there was a mandate of scripture probably mm-hmm. in the earlier 2000s maybe. Yeah, well, I would say, you know, we in the 90s and we probably didn't grasp it at all, the early 2000s, then took on a role as the community services pastor at our last church uh, working there. But even then in those early days, I don't think I grasped it. I think getting me out into the community helped me to grasp it. You probably mm-hmm. already had it. Uh, but that's when it started to develop, oh, this is – this is an essential part of the gospel work, uh, a valid part. Probably started with this is a valid part of the work of the gospel and mm. then in more recent years, theologically for me, it has gone from an understanding of this is a valid part of the gospel to this is an essential part of what it means to be a gospel partner with yeah. the Lord. It's a big, one of the big rocks in it's the a big rock uh, value. 
big rock of value in the in the found right there in the foundations and needs to be it needs to be value it needs to be treated that way. It needs, we need to talk about it. We need to continue to um, convey God's heart because it's it's an essential yeah. for us. And I think because I mean I I was raised in a little village of three hundred people out in country New South Wales, and then moved to Canberra when I left home. And I, there was something in me of of, of community. And I was in a little uh, church of about I was counting the other day. I think that the, probably the average attendance over the years when I grew when I was growing up there would have been less than thirty. Um, in Catholic we, church, we went to church every week. It wouldn't even be that now, probably in a country town. But no, I doubt it would yeah. be that. I doubt there would be that many these days. There's no priests there, no local priests there anymore. And uh, that little town had three local churches, I think, and I think there was three. And we, but we were, we had. There was always uh, our family was involved in the Catholic church, but there was always combined church activities, and so it was quite ecumenical. Yep. And there was not only that; there was a strong sense of that, those those, those uh, that combined churches. They would work amongst the community and other things. It was a sporting. There was a sporting community. There was just a small town of three hundred people. You have to band together because you're remote. Yeah, and you we're remote. Think we're not near to anything knock else. On each other's door and all that sort of stuff too. It was very yeah. much doing life together, wasn't it? Yeah. So I always valued the idea of community, and I loved being in the church. Then you know later on, being in Canberra and being young. Uh, training for ministry and then going into ministry. I always loved the idea of the church community because I realised that when you live in the suburbs or when you live in a city or you live in a bigger town that you can become really isolated unless you intentionally become part of the community and I, and I loved that the church could be a community but still just thought, oh, this is this is great for us and when people come and join us that's awesome. But like what we're talking about really today is more that we would reflect kingdom out so we were not necessarily just sitting inside the four walls of the church and waiting for people to come that's great I love church work don't get me wrong Mm -hmm. I love that but we are talking about being the community outside the four walls and that's that's more what we're talking about today isn't it absolutely and (coughs) I think um I think part of it is that growing up we were there was such a focus on preach Jesus, preach the gospel, and it was we limited the gospel down to the salvation message. And don't get me wrong, just like you said, mm. that is essential. Uh, I think the problem is we probably didn't have that other aspect to it, and we'd only, you know, in a previous episode we talked about lifelong learners, and I think the problem was I was stuck in my mindset as to we'd we'd hear things like, well, the most important thing is to get a person saved. The most important thing is to, uh, you know, preach. Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. And the second commandment is equally important and just the same important, love your neighbour as yeah. yourself. Mm-hmm. And so I think what I've had to do is recalibrate my thinking and learning to realise what I do practically in the world and how I help and care for people is equally as important as the relationship with God. It's not that it's either or, it's actually both together and that is in itself the full gospel message. And that's been a, a massive revelation. And if that's a challenge to you, hearing that for the first time and you're thinking, oh, that's just a social justice gospel or whatever it might be, I'm not watering down the importance of Jesus as saviour and and uh, he's the one who you know defeats the power of sin so we can experience eternal life. There is mm-hmm. one way to the Father through Jesus. I'm not watering that down. What I am saying, not but, but and what I am saying is that that is played out 
and it played it in our lives through the care for the big four. And if you've never read this, you need probably good to read the Bible through the lens of and see the big four, I call them, mm-hmm. the poor, the widow, the foreigner, and the orphan. Mm. And you will see those themes pulled up time and time and time and time and time and time again throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament. Even the Apostle Paul, who's the great preacher of Jesus, goes to Jerusalem and they turn to him and say, they say, it's great what you're preaching. We want you to remember to care for the poor. Uh, they, you think, well, what do they put that on the end? It seems out of sync. And he says, this was the very thing I was eager to do. So I think the two are linked together. We preach Jesus and we show Jesus Having value. through the hands and feet yeah. actions that we have. Sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, it's value. It's, it's a value for humanity. It's really, it's, it's really. It's valuing humanity. Valuing, yes. serving and loving humanity regardless of whether we actually ever see them come into our church and sit inside our four walls, we serve them, we love them, we value them, treat them as uh, image, I- image carriers bearers of, of God. Christ. Yep, that's right. Of God. Yep. yep. And God has imprinted his image into all humans and so therefore we're obligated as kingdom bringers. If we are going to bring God's kingdom to earth, it will demand of us that we bring his kingdom values and those values are things like love, peace or sort of fruit of the spirit you could list into there. They they are justice instead of injustice. They are healing, they are provision, they are care, pastoral, all that stuff. That everything you can think of that heaven is like is what we are mandated by God to bring into the world around us. And so that will have practical implications in the way we do uh, work outside of the four walls of the church, won't it? Yes, yeah, so it could be things that we do as individuals that we just, you know, that people, that Christians do and that we, and I think that's a, that's a great thing to do. We to should encourage, encourage that. All of us to be being, to be loving our neighbours, to be looking into our own little uh, neighbourhoods, communities, streets, places of influence, schools, wherever we are and going, where can I maybe, um, you know, be used here? Where can I add those kingdom add values value. That's right. to others? Yep, And then it could be things that the church does as well. We could, you know, the church, a church may take on some projects or take on, uh, you know, some different things or develop relationships with different aspects of the community where we can also join in and do that. You might, we might have, a, you know, we have food programs, we have uh, youth performing arts program, we have... We've had lots, you know, various different things that we've local and run over the years overseas as well. It's not play groups. Yep, we have a play group where it is almost one hundred percent community that attend. All our church families are all busy working. Mm. We have church uh, and community, our communities uh, services staff that that run it, but the the people that come, which is you know fifty to. 50 or so families that registered for that play group and they are entirely community and we run that for the community. We don't run it for our church. We run it, we run it for the community. That's right. And it's not run with the purpose of you know, we just it's a means to an end. I think this is, the, this is often the case is that people think, well, we do quote unquote mission work as a means to an end. And uh, we were chatting about even the word mission beforehand and saying how, you know, that doesn't always have the most positive connotation. And maybe part of the reason it doesn't have the positive connotation is because People have seen mission work as a means to an end. Mm. And rather than seeing that, no, the people are the end in themselves. We're all human beings. We're all on a journey towards God. We all need care and concern. And so the end is not 
bums on a seat on a Sunday or members in a church. The end is seeing the kingdom come into the kingdom's values come into people's lives. And some of those people will come and meet Jesus and some won't, but we're not responsible for that bit. We're responsible for bringing those values and seeing those, these people are valuable in the image of God. We, we do a play group or we do a creative arts group or we provide food or whatever other program that you can think of. We do that because people are worth it. People matter. People matter. That's want right. to be valued. And one of the things our, our church has done, um, a Camden church has met, always met in a school and, uh, we have developed a relationship with the with that school community, and well, we just help out with practical things at the school. We are we are we we pay our rent there. We're not you know we're not doing this to do them a favour because they give us free. We we pay our rent. We are a customer of theirs from that perspective, I guess. But we want, and we also you know run a food program through the, their wellbeing team. But separate to that, again. We say to the school, we say to the school executive, the principal and the exec, well, what, what do you need? What can we help you with? And one of the things that they like our assistance with is for us to do the sound, our team, our, some of mm. our guys, to come in and do the sound for some of their events. So they do fundraisers, the PNF well do done, fundraisers. Team. They come in and uh, they set up the sound and they run the sound for the school events. There's no, and it there's wasn't no strings at first, attached. At first there was a little bit of uh, you know, sense of, you can't do this and you can't do that. But our guys, shout out to the guys, they they just went, well, we're just here to serve and let's just do it and build that bridge of relationship and break down those barriers that are there and they've done that really well. The school does fundraising, trivia nights and things and our, our guys go and do the sound. We went to one, didn't we? We did. We did go to one. And at a, at a, a Tarmore school with our Picton location, you know, they get in there and do the gardens do the and the school. So, you know, even as a small church, you don't have to take on massive amounts of projects. Mm. I think this has often been the challenge, hasn't it? We've experienced is people will say, oh, pastor, we want to do this program and this yeah, program. And they think that we'll take it off. And, and it is, it's, it's hard. There's only so many buttons that you can press mm. and actually get anything effectively done in the world. And there's always going to be more need out there than, than we have the ability to deal with. It's a bit like that previous episode of living in the gap between mm. what we want to see and what, where we are. And we have to live with that tension. So what are some things we do with our people to encourage them around? We don't, we, we can't push every button. We can't do everything in a small church environment. I'm not even sure a massive mega church could do everything either because there's just always going to be more need. But we tried to find a way to release people in their calling and encourage them to, we've had people doing, doing work that isn't underneath the auspice of the church and we just encourage that. But then we also have had to go, well, these, these are the two or three things that in this season we can do, haven't we? We've, Trying to walk that yeah, because whatever we take on as a church, we have to manage, and so management and compliance these are not small things. Everything that you know, we have to do volunteer onboarding. We have to look after our teams. We have to do risk assessments. We have to have insurance. We have to uh, we have to do child protection training. We have all these things to do. So it's not a small thing. You know, you have to count the cost. You have to look and go. Okay, every single thing we do is we have to factor all of that in. Sometimes it's better just to tell you to say to people, look, why don't you just go and do that yourself? Go f- go for your life. We'll go support, and do it. We'll pray for you. Yeah, we'll ch- champion you. We'll champion you, but we can't necessarily take it on as a church project because there's only you know certain things that we that we there's only so have much the of an administrative to load to go around. That would be you know obviously case by case, <coughs> but I think you know these sort of things can easily get uh, you can feel you can feel the pressure 
as a leader to feel like, oh, we've got to, I've got to do, especially when this starts and it's really exciting if you haven't been doing this kind of work, people start to get a heart for it and then, you know, it's, you know, we've, we've even when we do food programs, we'll do it. I was just saying this to someone the other day. We will, uh, like with the one we're doing at the moment, for example, I'll do it, we'll advertise it for a term and we'll put a maximum amount on it and then we'll say then we've got a wait list. So that way we know that if we happen to not, if we don't have the, if something, we, we give ourselves an end, a sunset. We're not, You're not promising open-ended. it open-ended because if mm-hmm. we are volunteers, if it gets too much and people's situations change and our, we can't you continue You had that, that when you first started the food program. I remember people were going, oh, this is only small. Why are we why doing, we, why why are we we doing do three or four times this and amount? And you've been around the mountain enough times to go, <laughs> oh, I've learned the lesson. Uh, yeah, let's, let's start small. Start small. Start small. And let's get some momentum yeah. and then we can increase and it. And little behold, you found yourself bit. delivering extra food parcels and, and things. And then things, people, people drop number. off and then yep. people go on holidays and someone gets sick and you yep. realise, oh, okay, maybe we should have... You know, yeah. maybe I don't want it. You know, you don't want it to all end on, you know, on your be on your shoulders at the end of the day. I remember many years ago, well-intended person said, "Let's do a garage sale," and mm. and they said, "Brian," and they, I said, <laughs> I said, "Oh, let's just be careful." Anyway, I don't. I wasn't careful. They were insisted on doing the garage sale. At the end of the day, we had all we sold stuff, but honestly, the amount of money we made, we could have taken up an offering mm. for them. This was for our charity work, yeah, um, and we could have taken up an <laughs> offering for the amount of mental capacity it took to put this together and then we had all this furniture left over that we had to then get trucks and move and yes. stuff like that so well-intended people but <laughs> but uh, it's okay yeah. to just do a few things and do them never well. let people start bringing in their old stuff and thinking it's a great idea to yeah. give it to the church because you might need it to give away to somebody yeah. I'm like no sorry we don't we don't take secondhand stuff We've that's got to store uh, it go somewhere. take it to lifeline or yeah. vinnie's well even even at lifeline uh, i've heard I've, i remember the lifeline down at Norella and I remember being there one day and the guy was saying that his bill is half a million dollars a year to get rid of mm. rubbish. So I think we ha- it's like what's our mindset here? So as a church I would encourage us and even if it's a – I'm talking, I might be talking to a connect group leader, a small group leader right now, and you're thinking what can we do as a as a little uh, outreach kind of you – know, careful with these very Christianese words, but, you know, how can we bring God's kingdom into the sphere of influence around the half a dozen of us in our small group? And I think if you sit down with them and just strategize that and talk to your pastor and say, what can we do and how can we fit in? And it can be something as simple as just, you know, pooling resources for someone in the mm. church who knows somebody who's going through a hard time. It doesn't have to be earth shattering, life changing. It can just be, let's just add value to the, because Jesus is about the one. And go right. after the one. So let's go yeah. after the one too. Yeah. And I think sometimes we, need you know it could just be something really grassroots and simple like you said and it doesn't have to be you know a whole program it could just be a, a one or let's just do something as a one-off and see how that goes yes let's just do a you know collection of um health like we're doing this at, at the moment as well we let's had someone just, walk into through the other day came in off the street yeah and took a bag of homeless stuff that was supposed to be for the school and took a bag of homeless stuff that was being donated and sorry this is like toiletries and yeah and just took it and left came in before the service personal hygiene personal products. hygiene products and yeah. then just left with a bag of them. left with a bag of them. <laughs> <laughs> i just laughed and went oh well it's not where they it was supposed to go but they them. must have needed it but i think yeah. that's the thing is keeping your ear to the ground <clears throat> as to where the needs are mm. And uh, saying to the school wellbeing person, or saying to someone who's your contact, oh, do you do you guys need anything? I remember, you know, our next door neighbour is a school principal at a public school, mm. and uh, during lockdown, you know, we we chatted a lot because we were all home and you couldn't talk to anyone except your neighbours, and uh, you know, you couldn't you couldn't travel more. We than literally five share kilometers. a wall with our neighbours, so yeah, and we'd um, 
you know, and I remember when when school was going back and the, that that adjustment and all of that, and it was really hard for teachers to do the online learning, and then they had to try and do some online and be there in person because kids still schools still had to be open and all of that sort of through that through that season. And I just was saying, you know, what well, asked her again, being curious. Talked with the other one about the other episode about being curious. I just said, well, what can what do you think the biggest needs are that you're seeing in families? And what do you think, you know, what, what do you think, what, what, what's your gauge on how your, your team are coping? So from that conversation, we did two things. We did some gift vouchers for her to pass on to families, just for who were doing it tough. And we did um, a whole lot of just little treats for her staff. Just as a little one-off. Just little one-offs. A little yep. one-off. Yep. But that was something we didn't do. We did some little chocolate bags for HSC students, you know, little... Yep. So well-being bags, well-being bags, HSC students doing that. It was a one-off. We didn't necessarily promise we'd do it again. Nope. We haven't, didn't do it again. We haven't, didn't do it last year. I don't think we no, just did it no, before because we just got the. You got to go with what the resources we are. We at had the it, time. Uh, people ask us once about doing some stuff in um, back to school packs for some refugee community, which we did. Mm-hmm. It was a one-off. Yep. Things like that are great to be engaged in, and uh, you know we don't you don't have to. And everything and being up to your eyeballs, sort of, you know, and having it wear you down. You want it to be life giving. Well, no, if you're a, if you're a small church pastor, you got you're multitasking anyway. But you'll be people in your world. So I mean, we can find out what those needs are and those short term. It's just some little things we've learned along the way. We've been doing this kind of work because I was running a community services department, you know, eighteen years ago. So we've been doing this kind of work for seen every project and program there is. Pretty much, yeah. And I think and they're all great, but you just got to find your fit and find what's right for you. Mm-hmm. And often it relates to you know, come up with lots of ideas, but you've got to have volunteers. So um, you're better off doing a few things and doing them well and making a difference and actually adding value rather than just uh, making promises that you're not able to keep. And that's why these short-term things is a good practical way to do it. I'm going to do a short-term project, not I'm going to do food from here until Jesus comes back mm. and see how that goes and find out what's needed. You're, you've been very good at going and talking to politicians and talking to other community centres and just saying, where's the where's the need? You used where's the word the grassroots before and that's what you say. So we've started the gaps? we've started yeah. a charity and we call it, you say it's grassroots. You, you, mm. you manage a charity, you say mm-hmm. it's grassroots work. I mean, down at that bottom level, you, you're not interested in doing anything other than filling gaps and working with other people. So maybe in the last few minutes there might be some people listening to this who are uh, thinking, well, how can I do charity work? Maybe we can talk a little bit about how we went about that. And uh, it's not as hard. We didn't find it as hard as we thought it was going to be. For many years we thought, oh, no, you won't be able to get a tax-deductible charity in Australia. Um, but we actually found it was maybe the things had changed. It wasn't too bad. We had to make some adjustments to our constitution and a few things yeah. But we, we you were have able to, to be do it. you have to be prepared to go into something when you go into something like that that you're going to be under scrutiny of the government and we need to be. We'll talk to that a little bit because you've you've had a few interesting conversations with politicians around that scrutiny aspect. Well, yeah, I think we, you know, not everybody who uh, is a church or is a Christian organisation has unfortunately um, uh, behaved well in our country, and uh, some some of the organise you know some of the um, the politicians and some of the people, you know, higher up it haven't looked that, um, you know, weren't really looking that fondly at religious organisations because they've seen some things that haven't gone well, uh, such as, you know, misuse of funds and exploitation of people and things that are um, and disappointing. Also, you know, also 
using it as a means to an end. Like yeah, that, once again, that's, that's right. the issue is oh, you don't really care about people. You're just trying to get people to come to your church. And that can be – that's a philosophical challenge that every church leader needs to wrestle with. You, um, We came to that realisation that, no, the care for the poor and needy is in itself a part of the gospel. We don't need to preach it to preach about Jesus in every context all the time. That's what that's our philosophical. You may have a different perspective in that. I'd say if you do, then it's probably not worth in our culture going down the path of looking for uh, setting up a tax deductible charity. For instance, when we set ours up, we pasted on the constitution from that we had for years ago in our, our previous church. And uh, the tax office came back to us in the process of evaluating it and they said, look, it's too religious basically. Um, and we looked at it and, we, you know, we they wanted us to take the word Christ-centred out of it. And we looked at it and went, well, part of us went, thought, well, do we want to do that? But then we went, no, this this work is Christ-centred. We don't need to put the word Christ-centred in there in order to, uh, in order to be able to maintain that we're caring for the poor, the vulnerable, the hurting, the needy, those in hardship, all the various different things that our tax deductible. Disadvantage. Yes, there's a category of about right. 10 different categories that fit under this. It's not just financially poor, it's hardship, That's distress, right. so our well-being, all those sorts of things are in there. And so we went, well, that is gospel. That's Christ-centred. So yeah. we made a call and we said, well, okay, we're just going to remove that and get the tax deduction because we're blessed to be able to do that in this country. Uh, but you might not want to do that. If you want to be able to preach to Jesus at every, every turn, then you might need to not pursue a charity. But we have found a way where we do that. We genuinely in our heart care for people and will love people. But at the same time, we're unashamedly saying, you know, we have volunteers from our church that are involved in this and we will have people say to us, oh, I want to know more about your church work. Yeah, and, oh, absolutely. And then you're in a place where you can you can do that. It's been invited and you can bring other volunteers in. And uh, there are ways to do it that aren't deceptive, that are honest and transparent. And uh, you've just got to figure that out before you go down the path of going for it. But it's not hard with the right help to, we've, since then I know of, uh, you know, since we've taken it, I know of two other C3 churches that have um, set set up DGR charities, deductible gift recipient charities that are doing great work in in, in so uh, you're, this you're area. So, yeah, so then if you if you go down that path, you you register under ASIC and you uh, have to comply with. Uh, oh, you, res- you register. You, I think you can do it as an incorporated association in New South Wales. In our case, or we're right. we're a company, okay, uh, with, which is with ASIC. But you don't have to be a company. You could do it as an incorporated association. But what you register with is the ACNC. The ACNC. Yeah, the sorry. ACNC. That's what I meant to say. Yeah, that's the details from Etar bit that Jill's interested. But that's the <laughs> register. That's the national registry for charities. That's what uh, we're registered with. In fact, all churches should be registered with them too, because mm. we're charities. Well, we just don't have the same. Uh, church doesn't operate under the same arm, doesn't have tax-deductible status in the same way, but you register with them as uh, an entity. I, yeah, and I think back to what we are saying about the the scrutiny that we will be under, we need to conduct ourselves at the highest standard in in these areas. We, we should be doing that anyway. Yeah. That should be our aim. We should be people who are above who are. Above it will only reproach. work if we in our heart have settled on the motive for doing it. So, you know, if you can get anything out of what we're saying today, as a leader, or as whether you're doing any kind of mission work, you need to first of all settle what is my motive. If my motive is a means to an end, it, I don't think it will work, and I don't think I don't think biblically that's the right end mean anyway. I think the means, as I said, the ends are the people themselves, those we care for. If you can get that settled, I think there's an integrity that comes with that. I genuinely care for you, no strings attached. I love you, no strings attached. I think that then brings an integrity that will lend itself towards a higher level of scrutiny. 
Yeah, and hopefully we can win back some trust uh, with the, you know, in, in our country where there has been breaches of trust in these areas and that's what we aim to do. Well, we can do how, the only way we can do that is by continuing to keep the right heart motivation to serve with you know, authentic, uh, in an authentic way, keep doing the right thing one, you know, one step after another. And, and I've said that to other government leaders and politicians that, that you know, we're, we're sorry for the, mm. the things that haven't gone well with religious organisations and uh, we will, not that, you know, not that that was our, not that we, not that we did that, but on behalf but of... On behalf of those <laughs> others and as far as it depends upon us, we want to do what we can to bring some, some healing and some reconciliation and some improvement to that. Yeah, that's right. So it's about the only way, only way we can regain trust is to keep doing the right thing and be people of the highest integrity, which we should be anyway. Absolutely. Well, we've talked a lot about local church stuff. Maybe we were going to touch on, we might do it in another future episode, is kind of talk about missions beyond our borders as yeah. well. That's part of going overseas. How can small churches, especially how can small churches uh, do overseas mission work? We've got a few thoughts on that. We've partnered with other organisations. That's generally a good way to do it rather than trying to do it all on your own. But maybe we'll make another episode out of that down the track, hey? Yeah, just on working with other organisations, something else that might be good to mention as we finish is that often people will say, oh, can I come up, you know, can I come to your church and talk about the organisation that I run or the charity that I run or the work that I do and, you know, and promote what I'm what I'm doing and because they want, you know, because they're after financial support mm-hmm. or they're after volunteers, et cetera. And that would be just something we've learned along the way is just to to uh, be mindful of that as well, to ensure that they are people that uh, can be trusted and they are people, you know, because I think uh, to be for our, for the, our own integrity, the integrity of our churches and to the integrity to our people, we shouldn't we should be careful with putting people in front of the, of the church and having them uh, you know put a pitch out for their thing if they are or you know whether it's directly or indirectly uh, through their messaging and communications <coughs> if they're not uh, someone who you know who has has who's, that in who's, history who's tried and trusted and yes. and um, can be you know endorsed. I think it's just something to be, something to be aware of because we have heard we have seen a little bit and heard some stories around that. That's probably a time when we don't we wouldn't want that kind of thing happening. Happening, it can definitely be, can be um, unhelpful. Yeah, I think there's, so. There's that integrity issue. There's also back to what we said at the start, which is there's only so many buttons you can press, mm. and it's not that we don't care, but we can't possibly do. As a pastor, I'm always getting emails, and back in the day, it was you mm. know things in the mail, but now it's emails. There's dozens of valuable causes yeah, out there, but right. I can't do them all. Yes. And I think as a pastor, as a leader, you've got to get comfortable with going affirming and saying that's fantastic we you're you're brilliant with this when we had the bushfire relief and we had people wanting to do all this stuff you had a statement that you just started to use do you know what i'm talking about oh yeah i think i already said it earlier it's just i you know, was talking about you know we can only manage so much really yeah you said and i that, used to say to people that you know that that's it's a great idea it's probably outside the capacity of what we can manage right yep. now outside which, the scope of what we can outside manage the right scope now. of what we can manage which that's we okay to, to what say we can that. manage because managing in small churches, leadership, management, you know, getting all the ducks in a row, getting making yeah. the, making things run from week to week. There's, there's a lot of different things to do. There's a lot of work to do. And and that's a good, honest answer because people can feel like I've gone doing this mission work and the church isn't supporting me or whatever. I get that they would feel that way. And so I think we need to be able to explain to people, no, it's not that we're not supporting, we're championing you, but there's only so much we can physically do. And, and we've only got so many volunteers to go around. So it's just acknowledgement of our boundaries. Our, 
Pete Scazzaro says it's the, you know, embracing our limitations. And that's it's right. totally fine in a small church context to say we're limited and that's okay. We'd rather do a few things well. And so saying something like that's brilliant but that's outside the the scope of our um, abilities right now or our capacity right now is a good way to do that. Um, and I think I was just listening to a podcast yesterday, actually. It wasn't a Christian podcast. They were talking about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict that someone mate Phil Weirden told me, put me onto. But he made a comment that I've never heard before and I thought this doesn't surprise me. He was talking about how people go to places like Cambodia to work in orphanages. They get all this mail and they go and say, I'm going to work in an orphanage. It makes total sense to me. These actual places, some of these are not charities, they're businesses, illegal businesses, where they are setting them up as orphanages and getting people to pay a lot of money to come and do orphanage work and they've actually stolen the children off the, off their parents to create an orphanage. So where there's, so that's just shocked my mind until I thought about it and went, I'm not surprised, that's human nature. Yeah. So what you, I thought of that when you were sharing around integrity, tried and tested, we need to have people. I'm need not to have just being a cynic and doesn't, that doesn't You're trust anyone. You're not just anyone. being a cynic. No, <laughs> this does we happen. We have to. We have to. Something about that, I think, as leaders, is that we have to just. We, you know, it's a little bit like being an advocate. We have to. We have to be wise, wise as wise as serpents and gentle as a dove. Yeah. We have to. We have to have a little bit of those. Um, you know, those smarts about us because, mm. they, unfortunately, there have been. Um, the enemy would would love to get in and bring distrust and bring confusion and, and cause yep. mess in this area where, you know, God wants to bring freedom and, and um, relief for people of, from those chains of bondage that they're in and, and uh, you know, there's there's so much good work that can be done and we want to we don't want other things to uh, sabotage that. Mm, true. So what I might do is as we close off here, it just occurred to me that, you know, I put to, together a list of uh, justice issues some years ago and I've used it a few times in different contexts in our church. I might throw it in the ch- show notes. If you're thinking, where do I begin? I've got a list of about 100 different areas of injustices in the world where I believe God has called us as his followers. To, only 100. Oh, it's only, it probably is nearly 100, <laughs> I reckon. It's a lot. Where God has called us. You like writing lists, don't you? I do like writing lists but for all the reasons that it's there in front of me. And so maybe this is a tool for some of you. You go, where do I begin? I've got I've listed everything that I can possibly think of, and, and register with ACNC, not with ASIC. You don't register with ASIC. Well, you might have to register with ASIC, but start with don't start let me with don't, the ACNC. don't don't follow my advice. Actually, I think you need to register with the ASIC before you go to the ACNC. I think this is not professional Jill's, advice. Jill's not giving you professional legal advice when it comes to starting charities. That's for sure. That's uh, that's. But we can you know we can give you some pointers in the right direction if you need to, but it's not hard. So I'll put this list in the show notes and if you're just thinking whether you're a connect group leader or a department leader or a church leader, where do I begin? If you're just having a list of things out there that are things that are begging for the kingdom of God to come, areas where if God's values came into those things, they would look different. Some of them are big, some of them are small, Mm -hmm. but it might just be that something, which is what I say when I've done this, this, every person's wired to bring the kingdom into some arena of their life. And there might just be something in you that stirs and you go, I can do something about that. doesn't mean you have to go out there and start a charity and solve it tomorrow. It could just be that you start to become like our previous episode, a lifelong learner and just start to go, I've got to learn about this. I've heard Christine Kane say when she walked into Thessaloniki and saw all the stuff about the, um, you know, about uh, trafficking. child sex trafficking, uh, she, she rang a friend and I've heard her say, is this for real? She didn't even know what it was. And she's, yeah. you know, Greek Australian and she saw it. And then she that set her on her journey towards bringing doing something about it. So I heard her speak about that recent, well, just last week actually. I was listening to her, and uh, she was saying that she actually felt, and I didn't know this, that 
because people knew her as an evangelist, mm. you know, she was an evangelist, and that she started speaking about those justice issues and about about that. It just, it just arrested her heart when she found out about so much uh, of this trafficking that was going on, child slavery, and and uh, she said that, that she had you know, quite a lot of resistance from that message. People Push were back. like, oh, what do you, what do you mean? You, I thought you were an evangelist. What are you talking about all this justice stuff for? She's like, are you kidding? This is, this is like, this, this is, is the, the heart of God. Yeah, that's right. You know, and uh, what is. The poor, is, the widow, the foreigner poor. and the orphan. That's right. And I reckon, you know. But the oppressed would be Trafficking free. fits into all of those in some form or other. So, mm. yeah, I think, um, I think if, if you've got something you want to start somewhere, just start to learn. I'm happy to make that list available to you. It's not copyrighted. Use it in your church. Use it wherever. If it's going to be helpful to just spark some passion for bringing God's kingdom to earth in those different arenas of life. Mm. Yeah, great. All, All right. right. Well, that's enough for today. So okay. uh, we will talk to you on the next episode. Thanks for being See with ya. us. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Ministry Matters podcast. Hey, if this podcast has been an encouragement to you or you think it could be to others, we'd be so grateful if you'd share it with your friends on the socials. So before you head back into your day, if you could take a moment to like our Facebook and Instagram pages and share them with your friends, that would be awesome. You can find us by searching at Ministry Matters Podcast, all one word. And one last thing that just helps the podcast algorithm to work for us, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a minute to rate and review our podcast. Be sure to click that follow button wherever you listen to your podcasts so every new episode will be loaded straight to your device. For those of you watching on YouTube, be sure to hit that subscribe button and ring the bell so you know when a new episode drops. All the links you need are in the show notes. So thanks so much for being with us today and we look forward to talking to you in the next episode.